Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We are in Advent season, and we have been beginning a process of using J.C. Ryle's compilation of some of his thoughts from his writings on the gospel. Somebody has come along and wrote devotional the Coming of the King, 25 Readings for Advent. And how they structured this devotional is that the first half of it deals with the second coming of Christ. And the, the, the second half of the book deals with his first coming. And I'm reading this as part of a group of, of guys that meet on a Friday morning. And last week we began looking at the book. And the question was raised, have any of you ever sat under an Advent sermon series that specifically dealt with the second coming of Christ. And out of that group of six or seven guys, none had ever had that experience. How about you guys? So with me is Vinny Henke, Ryan Hemphill, and Jonathan Van Hoogen. Have any of you guys actually sat under a series of Advent sermons on the second coming of Christ? Well, I think we touch on it every Advent season because, uh, you know, at least, you know, when I'm doing my Advent season this year, we're going through. Uh, the book of Isaiah, actually readings from Isaiah's prophecy, and he was a prophet of both Advents, and uh, so you, in the exposition of God's word, you're bringing out both Advents. You're bringing out not only his first coming, but you know there's some things in those, you know, when he talks about the the peace when the lion is going to lay with the lamb, and uh, that you know you're you're realizing that we haven't reached the full fulfillment of that Advent. That's coming when Christ comes the second time. So we make a, a reference to those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would say I've never sat under a specific series, but I would say it's it's been mentioned in the majority of sermons that I've heard throughout <laughs> my life mm-hmm. because as we give the gospel, it inevitably should come up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Thematically, it's there as we talk about the parallel between the waiting Israel and us waiting for the second coming of Christ, but not specifically doing an Advent series on the second coming of Christ. I was thinking about doing this next year, and it could be my last yeah. Advent series. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we are in the part it, of the book that deals with the second coming, so we're going to once again you, turn You our, might not even get there. I know. Yeah, I know. When you think not, he, the, yeah, yeah. the Son of Man is coming. So. That's right. <laughs> so we are back in Matthew a little bit later than where we were yesterday, and I believe Ryan is going to read for us. Yes, this is Matthew chapter 24. Verses 36 to 51. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. 
Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And J.C. Ryle will give exposition saying, the first thing that demands our attention in these verses is the awful account that they give of the state of the world when the Lord Jesus comes again. The world will not be converted when Christ returns. It will be found in the same condition that it was in the day of the flood. When the flood came, men were found eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, absorbed in their worldly pursuits and utterly deaf to Noah's repeated warnings. They saw no likelihood of a flood, and they would not believe there was any danger. But at last the flood came suddenly and took them all away. All that were not with Noah in the ark were drowned. They were all swept away to their last account, unpardoned, unconverted, and unprepared to meet God. And our Lord says also, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. The second thing that demands our attention in this awful separation that is this awful separation that will take place when the Lord Jesus comes again. We read twice over that one will be taken and the other left. The godly and the ungodly at present are all mixed together. In the congregation and in the place of worship, in the city and in the field, the children of God and the children of the world are all side by side. But it will not always be so. In the day of our Lord's return, there will be a complete division. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, one shall be separated from the other forevermore. Wives shall be separated from husbands, parents from children, brothers from sisters, preachers from hearers. There will be no time for parting words or a change of mind when the Lord appears. All will be taken as they are and reap according to as they have sown. Believers will be caught up to glory, honor, and eternal life. Unbelievers will be left behind to shame and everlasting contempt. Blessed and happy are those who are of the heart in following Christ. Their union will never be broken. It will last forevermore. Who can describe the happiness of those who are taken when the Lord returns? Who can imagine the misery of those who are left behind? May we think on these things and consider our ways. Ryle continues, Something that demands our attention in these verses is the practical duty of watchfulness in in the prospect of Christ's second coming. Watch therefore, says our Lord, 
for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is a point which our blessed Master frequently presses upon our notice. We hardly ever find him dwelling on his second advent without adding a warning to watch. He knows the sleepiness of our nature. He knows how soon we forget the most important subjects in our faith. He knows how unceasingly Satan labors to obscure the glorious doctrine of his coming again. He arms us with heart-searching exhortations to keep awake if we desire not to be ruined forevermore. May we all have an ear to hear them. True Christians ought to live, then, like watchmen. The day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night, so Christians should strive to be always on their guard. They should behave like the guard of an army in an enemy's land. They should resolve by God's grace not to sleep at their post. The text of Paul deserves much thought. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. True Christians ought to live like good servants whose master is not at home. They should strive to be always ready for their master's return. They should never give way to the feeling, My Lord delays his coming. They should seek to keep their hearts in such a state that whenever Christ appears, they may at once give him a warm and loving reception. There is a vast depth in that saying, Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. We may well doubt whether we are true believers in Jesus if we are not ready at any time to have our faith changed into sight. Let us close with serious feelings. These things we have just been reading call loudly for great searchings of heart. Let us seek to make sure that we are in Christ and have an ark of safety when the day of wrath breaks on the world. So two thoughts again. The first is is about this great separation that will occur Probably many are, are familiar with the Left Behind series, and this is the passage that deals with that that thought process behind the second coming of Christ, that there's going to come a rapture where some are going to be taken up and some are going to be left here on earth. Um, I, that I don't actually believe that that's what this passage is teaching. I think it, it's teaching that when Jesus Christ comes in the fullness of time in, the, in his second coming, he's going to take his people to himself, and the left are going to be left or judgment, um, yep. not to live on in life, but in judgment. So what insights do you have for our listeners with regard to this separation that's occurring? And he is, as the scripture says, he goes into this detail about it's going to come and cut even through families, that husbands and wives will be separated, preachers from their, their hearers. What insights do you have on this, in this separation? I think the key thing is the readiness that's being called for because we don't know when that's going to happen. And we don't want to be caught as the wicked and evil servant who's not prepared. Or Jesus used the parable of the the ten virgins, ten maidens who were waiting for the bridegroom and half you know, were prepared and ready as he delayed and the others didn't and they were left outside. You know, that same imagery of watchfulness and readiness and being prepared for his coming. There's, we've all met those individuals that are thinking that someday they'll repent. Mm. Someday I'll get right with God. But they want to sow their wild oats. They want to do certain things. You know, it's what it is is a complete indifference to the things of God. Um, you know, if we really knew the dire straits that we were in, we would rent, repent right away. Yeah. And the fact is, is that all of us are going to meet the Lord sooner rather than later. And um, we, you know, our days are numbered already, you know, physically. And we don't, we don't know when that hour is going to come. Many, many of us have known people who have died early in their life. And, uh, you know, 
through some accident or some sickness or something like that, oftentimes without any chance to prepare for uh, meeting face to face with the Lord. And, you know, the Ryle points out here, you know, in this particular day of the Lord's advent, you know, those that were unbelieving, uh, like those in Noah, were swept away to their last account. They have to give an account before the Lord. Mm. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And in that last account, they will be unpardoned, unconverted, and unprepared to meet God. Mm-hmm. There are only two groups of people in this world, and there are only two destinies for all people in this world. So you only are classified, you're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. If you're a believer, you look forward to a time of everlasting glory, honor, and eternal life. If you're an unbeliever, you look forward to a time of shame and everlasting contempt. Those are the only two choices. And the fact of the matter is that either at your point of death or at the point when Jesus Christ returns, that is established. And it can't change. It doesn't change after you die, and it doesn't change after. Christ isn't going to be descending, and then all of a sudden you say, huh, I think I'm changing where, where I'm at. Right. <laughs> it, it's been established. And for one side, it's a, a happiness beyond, beyond our ability to understand, and the other, it's, it's a, a misery that we also can't understand. Yeah. I think that pushes us to the urgency of evangelism and mission for us. You know, not only for personal piety and reflection and assurance that we're in Christ, but also the urgency to share that love and that hope of, of Christ with those around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every person you encounter is an eternal being. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they will either spend their eternity with Christ in everlasting joy, or they'll spend their, their eternity in hell. And I think it is a, a serious call, not only for personal reflection, but for also evangelism. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 